too many cups of coffee this morning, so uh, you're probably going to get a passionate sermon today. Um, Do you guys enjoy the pancakes, by the way? Anybody come for the pancakes? Thank you so much for our team that prepared those and uh, helped carve me up today. And also thank you, worship team, man, incredibly powerful worship. So we're in the final week of our series of Jonah. Last week, best week, right? Last week, best week. And uh, grand finale, this is the fourth week. This is going to be so powerful, what we're looking at today in chapter three and chapter four. We kind of started off last week and uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. I want to I want to recap a little bit because it is the last week and um, just to kind of put the whole story together and, and tie a nice little bow on top and set it under the Christmas tree and, you know, just kind of celebrate what God's done over the series. So week one, um, we saw God call Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because those people didn't like him. They were barbaric. Uh, they were known as, as being, you know, just, just terrible people, evil, wicked people. But God said, Jonah, you got to go preach to Nineveh and, and, and tell them to repent and turn to me. But Jonah instead turned from God. He ran 2,500 miles in the opposite direction to Tarshish, which is modern day Spain. And uh, we said in that series, or I'm sorry, in the first week of the series, we said, what are you running away from that you should be running to? And that God won't always call you to do things that you like to do. Jonah didn't like the calling he got from God, so he ran in the opposite direction. And to do that, he got on a ship that was headed in the opposite direction. And because he was on that boat, God sent a terrible storm to to shake the boat. It started, the, the boat literally started coming apart because it was such a violent storm. And uh, they kind of rolled these dice and to figure out who the problem was, why God was you know, going to cause this boat to sink and the dice landed on Jonah. And so Jonah said, just throw me into the sea. I'm better off dead. I don't want to bring anyone else down around me. We said that your choices affect other people. They don't just affect you. Whenever you're disobedient to God, man, it affects your family. It affects your coworkers. It affects the people around you. So Jonah, he gets thrown into the sea. And then at that moment, God provides a fish. It wasn't a punishment, it was a provision, because otherwise Jonah would have died, right? And so God provides this great fish to swallow up Jonah. And so he he is in the belly of this fish in his darkest hour, his lowest moment ever. And then Jonah begins to pray a prayer. And this prayer is a prayer of precision, it's a prayer of passion, and it's a prayer of perspective. And Jonah begins to be precise, not just about his worry, but he's precise with his prayer for God to deliver him. He prays a prayer of faith. And then um, after three days and three nights, this fish spits Jonah out onto dry land. And then that's where we pick up in Jonah chapter three. It says this, you gotta think about all that Jonah's been through up to this point, right? And then in chapter three, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Somebody say a second time. We looked at that last week a little bit. This was God's second chance for Jonah. Picks up right where he left off. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh. Somebody say great. Great. It was a great city of of influence. It was a great city uh, population-wise. It was a wicked city, but the Bible says that it it had great potential. Right? It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Notice it says, now Jonah obeyed. We've been saying that every miracle is just simply on the other side of obedience. It's simply on the other side of a yes to God that we see God do something incredible. Verse 4, Jonah began going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was his sermon. Eight words. Five Hebrew words. (laughs) Turn to God 
or this city will be overthrown. Maybe not the, the most happy, feel-good message you've ever heard, right? He says, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It says in verse 5, though, the Ninevites believed God. Praise God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth, which this was a point of humility for them. It says in verse 6, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Notice it says animals too. Have you ever tried to put like your pet in a onesie before? Like, I don't know. I just, I was trying to get this visual of this passage. I'm like, how, like, how do you put a camel? Do they make a camel shaped like outfit? Like the, the hump and stuff that just doesn't seem like it would. Anyway, it says, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Somebody say urgently. Call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. I love this verse. I love the way it's written. Verse 9 says, Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion. Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. That sounds a lot like the gospel. It says in verse 10, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. God, I know that this is going to change some lives today. God, thank you that, that you've been chiseling away at my own heart with this message. It's been a battle, God, because you're working in me. And so, God, I just pray that as I preach for my weakness, God, that you would just show up strong, show up in power. And God, that every specific situation that was brought in today, God, that you would just speak directly to that situation. Give people uh, what they need. God, we, we know that, that you are everything that we need that we find hope in you, we find joy in you, we find uh, fulfillment in you, God, we find salvation in you. So God, I pray that if anyone came in here today and they don't have a relationship with you, that they wouldn't leave the same way. We pray that you would bring salvation into this place today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. High five somebody, tell them I love pancakes, but not as much as you, not as much as you. Some of you started the high five and then it was weird. You're like, but not as much as you? Uh, didn't mean to drop the L word so quick. Has anyone ever seen, um, anyone remember Etch-A-Sketch? Anyone remember Etch-A-Sketch? All right, some of you, I don't know, I'm getting older so my illustrations are starting to like not connect sometimes with the younger generation, I guess. Um, but Etch-A-Sketches are, are, are kind of cool, right? They were like this, in fact, we have a picture of one. Yeah, so this is what it looked like, right? Some of you are like, oh yeah, the thing in Toy Story, it was, around way before Toy Story, okay? And so what these things were like, they were like the first iPad, you know what I mean? And uh, they came with a red casing and two white knobs. And so you could take that left knob and you could draw sideways and then you could take the right knob and draw up and down. And uh, basically you could manipulate these knobs to where you could have like this full artwork. In fact, they, they actually did like an art gallery showing one time of everyone's Etch-A-Sketch drawings. They put them all up on the wall and some of the stuff, it was just crazy what you would find. Um, but Etch-a-Sketches, in fact, I think they still use Etch-a-Sketches for computers at the University of Georgia today. So, um, sorry, I'm a little salty, a little salty. But, uh, you know, what I love about Etch-a-Sketches is I used to play with this when I was a kid, and um, I was terrible at it, like the worst ever. And all the time, I would be trying to draw, like, something, and it would look like 
totally something else, not even, it's just awful, right? And then I would, I would draw it and be like, oh, I messed up. But the cool thing about it is when you messed up, you could just take the thing, you could shake it, and then your whole mistake would go away. And I love that, that image, that, that visual, because that's what God is doing with Jonah right now. Jonah ran from God in the opposite direction. He, he caused pain, hurt to, to people that he surrounded himself with. He had to get thrown into the sea. He had to get swallowed up by sushi. He had to go through all this stuff, all of these, these steps along the way. And he's made all of these mistakes. And then we see in chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Just, oh, Jonah, come on. Erase the mistake. You know, just, just like it never, he just shakes the etch of sketch until the, the whole thing goes away. He, he's like, all right, are you ready now? Okay, let's start with a, with a clean slate. It says he came to Jonah a second time. And he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give to you. And so um, right there where we said go, right? That simple word go, it's just one word, two letters in English. But in Hebrew, it's actually two words um, in this context. When God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, what he's, what he's saying is, are, are the, the Hebrew words kum yalak, kum yalak, which is like, that's, that sounds like a weird band name, you know? But basically what those words mean, it doesn't just simply mean go, it means go now, kum yalak, go now. And so when God's telling this to Jonah, he's saying, get some urgency in you. Like, it, like you need, okay, you ran from me, guess what? I'm giving you a second chance. This time you need to go. And I think that a lot of us, we've, we've come to a place in our life, maybe even you're there now, where you need a second chance. God is, first off, let me say this, God is always extending a second chance, right? That's how we finished last week. We're going to pick up right there this week. God is always extending a second chance. And so when we get to these areas of our lives where it's like, okay, I've messed up, I've run, but God, I'm here. I've repented, I'm, I'm, I'm use me. And God gives us a second chance, like, you know, nothing else ever happened. He picks up right where he left off. What we need to do is get a little bit of sense of urgency about us. Like, let's go now. Like, let's not wait another day. Why? Because if you wait any longer, you will talk yourself out of it. Right? In fact, I wrote this down this week. Um, this is something, you know, we say a lot around here, and it's something we should never forget, right? The theme of this series is that every miracle is on the other side of obedience. But it's important to realize that delayed obedience is disobedience. If we're going to see a miracle, then we can't delay, man. It says go now. In fact, the right time to do the right thing is right now, right? And so he says, kumulak, go now. All right, you've waited long enough. I've been trying to work in you this whole time. Guess what? Those three days you spent in the fish, you didn't even have to. But now you're here, shook the etch a sketch, we're clean slate. All right, go now. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh, verse 2. Then he says, and proclaim to it the message I give to you. Now, once again, he says, go to the great city. Most people think that this was a city of about 120,000, um, which back then was, was a great city. That was large. And uh, it, it was, what you need to know about Nineveh is it was extremely barbaric and, you know, all of the bad things we've been talking about over the course of this series. But it was also a great city of influence, like the art and the culture and uh, power, man, the army and, and just, so uh, they were looked up to, it would be like modern day New York City, right? And so basically, he's saying, go to New York City, which by the way, is probably one of the farthest from God cities in America, right? He says, go to Nineveh where no one worships me, where everyone's going to be unreceptive 
to the gospel message that I'm going to give to you. He says, go to the, the, the farthest place from me where people don't even want to hear about me. Go to Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. It's a great city, but it's an evil city. And then verse 3 says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Thank God he obeyed this time, right? This series would be like 12 weeks long, like if, if, if he did the whole thing again. He says, now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. I, I find it interesting that it took three days to go through the city because it took three days for Jonah to be in the fish, right? He could have already done everything that God called him to do in the time that he was spending running from God. Verse four, um, Jonah begins to give his message. Here's his sermon. He says, uh, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now notice th this sermon is a little bit offensive. <laughs> it's a little bit direct, right? Like imagine I, I went into, you know, your high school or, or your workplace and I'm just like, hey, 40 days from now, this place is going to be overthrown. Okay, turn to God. People will be looking at me like I'm crazy. You know what I mean? But first off, it didn't matter because God had already worked in the people's hearts and he, know, he, he knew what they needed to hear. But also Jonah is like, he doesn't, I don't think he really wants these people to accept the message he's giving. You know, he, his heart's a little off. And so he's, he's like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do the message, right? But at the same time, he's struggling in his heart because he wants to be obedient. He's had a second chance. He's gone now. He's, he's walked through the city with urgency. And he says, hey, 40 days and this city will be overthrown. Verse five, it says, the Ninevites believed God and a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Now you got to understand just one more time. Nineveh was the last place you would ever, like, like if, if you're reading this for the first time back in the day, and you knew, like, you're reading the morning news, you're like, entire city of Nineveh turns to God. Um, you're going to be like, there's no way. This is fake news. Like, like, Nineveh is the last place that would ever turn to God. Right? That would be like, you know, Las Vegas turns all of its casinos into churches and places of worship. Like, you'd never see, like, this would be, this would be like Howard Stern launches a new uh, radio, Christian radio show talking about sexual purity. It's like, no, no, that would not, this would be like, this would be like Kanye West turns to Jesus and comes out with an album named Jesus is King. That would never happen, right? That would never, oh wait, it did happen. <laughs> right, this would be like the, the, the Justin and, and Haley Bieber are, are leading worship. Like what? That would, Justin Bieber, like that would not, no, Nineveh is the last place on earth that anybody would ever believe would turn to God and start worshiping to God. And God says, go there. <laughs> go there and spread my message. Right? And so Jonah goes there. This is extremely hard soil to plant something in. Like this is, this is, this is not a place where, where you would plant um, a seed of the word of God and that you would expect people to receive it. But it says the whole, the whole city believes. The whole city, it, it gets so, it gets to the point where the king issues a decree. He says, hey, listen, we need to take this seriously. This is the one true God. He, he says God with a capital G whenever he's talking about him. Notice this. And so it gets to the highest places of culture. I believe the gospel should be in the highest places of culture, by the way. I believe it should be on the radio. I believe it should be on Netflix. I believe it should be in the movie theaters. And it shouldn't be the second rate stuff either. It should be the good stuff. And so it gets all the way up to the king. In verse 9, the king issued this decree, and he says in verse 9, who knows? 
God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Sounds like someone else is looking for a second chance. Just a little bit ago, it was Jonah who needed the second chance. Jonah goes and preaches the message, and now he's saying, hey, we messed up. <laughs> we're wicked. We have not loved God. We have not fought. We're, we are not holy in any way. We are the opposite of what God wants us to be. And so he's looking, the king is looking for, he says, who knows? God might just give us a second chance if we turn to him. And it says in verse 10, it gets even better. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So God has a change of heart. Instead of wiping out the city, he says, hey, these people have turned to me. I'm going to show them grace. I'm going to show them compassion. I'm going to show them mercy. They don't deserve it. They couldn't earn it. But guess what? God is always extending grace. And so he gives grace to the city of Nineveh. And so Jonah preaches 120,000 people get saved. In three days. Like, this has to be the greatest revival ever in history in that amount of time. Peter preaches one sermon, 3,000 people get saved. Jonah preaches for three days, 120,000 people receive salvation. So here's what I want you to understand. Jonah has just been used in the biggest way he could ever imagine. If God can use Jonah, he can use you. In fact, I wrote this down. Your finest hour could come after your greatest failure. Jonah was in a fish three days ago. <laughs> he smelled like fish vomit. He was nasty. He was gross. He was dark. He was probably on the verge of suicide in that thing. Like for, for a moment before he prayed that prayer to God. Like he was, he was at the lowest of low. Yet God just used him just a few days later to see 120,000 people turn to God. One of the things I love most about the character of God is God's ability to forget. Amen. Now think about this. That he would forgive and forget our sins, our transgressions. In fact, look at scripture. Hebrews 8, 12 says, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Amen. Man, is that not encouraging? That everything I've done against God, he doesn't hold against me. That, that he, like God forget. Here's, here, let me say it this way. You remember things better than God does sometimes. Like that stuff, the sins and stuff from your past where you messed up and your failures, you hold on to those things more than God does. And so we hold on to our past mistakes and our failures and that thing that someone did to us, the bitterness or the resentment we have and all this stuff. And and we hold on to it. God's like, I've already, I don't know how God does it. I don't know if he puts it behind his back. I don't know the way. It just says that I will remember your sins no more. God's already like pushed those things back and we're like holding on to them. We're holding things against ourselves that God doesn't hold against us. And so God forgets. It's like Jonah never even messed up. I wrote this down this week. Don't allow yesterday's failure to keep you from today's victory. Don't allow what you did in the past to keep you from the victory you should have today. We see some really good things in Jonah. We've pulled out so many things from his life. Um, But just to finish up the whole series, chapter 4, I want to read a few verses from it. It says, Jonah 4, 1 through 3. Let me just say, this: if you've never read the story of Jonah, or if maybe you only heard the first part of it, this is not the ending you're expecting. (laughs) You're about to get something that you do not expect. This is not like a happy ending. This is not a, oh, wow, Jonah's amazing. This is so, like, it's really weird. And I've been questioning all week why God even gave us chapter 4, to be honest. 
But we're going to look at it because there's some stuff in here for us. It says, verse 1, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What seemed very wrong? That the whole city got saved. Now hear me. Jonah is mad that what he was called to do, God actually used him in a powerful way and brought the whole city to him. That God actually redeemed and saved 120,000 people in three days. Jonah is mad. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. What? Bro, this is your calling. This is your, your, your destiny, your future. You were called to reach the city. Jonah was mad that God showed grace and compassion on him. In verse 2, it says, he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? Look, he's, he's complaining, bickering to God. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. He's mad about it. Slow to anger and abounding in love and a God who relents from sending calamity. He's like, I knew you would be compassionate. I knew you'd be gracious. Isn't this weird that Jonah's saying this? Because wasn't this the same God that was just compassionate on him a few days ago? Isn't this the same God that just showed him grace a few days ago? He's like, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your grace. But God, I could never, ever, ever forgive Nineveh. Let me tell you something. Jonah was hurt by Nineveh. Nineveh had wronged Jonah. They didn't like Jonah's people. They had a problem with people like Jonah. Maybe even Jonah's family members had been killed by that city that he's going to preach to. There's a lot of theories why Jonah had this bitterness and resentment built up. But let me tell you something. Jonah has been deeply wounded by this city he's been called to reach. And I just think there's so many people here today that you've been wounded by the people you're called to reach. That there's been someone in your life, whether it was a friend, your, your best friend, and all of a sudden they don't want to be your friend anymore. And they hurt you and they, they left you and they spread gossip and lies and rumors. Someone that was so close to you could hurt you so badly. Or it was, it was that, you know, promotion or, or job that you didn't get. And, and all of a sudden it, it was that person, they tried to overshadow you and you're bitter towards them. It's like, I don't, I don't want them to, I don't want anything good to happen to them. <laughs> and it's funny because we think like when someone gets something that we wanted, we think that God has limited resources, like he can only give blessings to one person. It's like, oh, God only has a certain amount to give. If they get blessed, I can't get blessed. <laughs> and Jonah's like mad. It says in verse 3, it says, now, Lord, he gets, he gets this upset about it. He says, now, Lord, take away my life. He is suicidal over God's forgiveness to the people he was called to reach. It says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I just know that there are people here at church that you brought in bitterness with you today. Someone hurt you. And you're holding on to that thing. I will never, ever, ever forgive that person. How dare, I can't believe they did what they did to me. I can't believe the, the hurt and the pain. All those days that I was in tears and, 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 and I was going through depression. I was, I was in a low moment. I, I will never forgive them. Or resentment. You know, resentment seems smaller. It's probably a, a lot more vague than bitterness. But uh, resentment undealt with turns into bitterness. And we can be resentful, you know, at your kids, right? Because they never call me anymore. Raised them their whole life, fed them, 
Took them to school, got them to soccer practice, all this. They can't even call me. <laughs> they better come to my house this Christmas. I want Thanksgiving and Christmas and Christmas Eve. I want all the holidays. Forget the other side of the family. Or we can get resentful, um, you know, to our parents because they didn't treat me the way, they, they didn't treat me the way I thought they should. Like, I feel like I should be able to play my Game Boy all day, you know? And I resent my parents for taking that away. That's mine that I bought with their money. And we can get so resentful to a point like Jonah. But it just reminds me of Jesus, right? Jesus was abused. When he was hanging on a cross, man, he was, he was deeply wounded. He was hurt. He was spit on. People lied about him behind his back. The, the worst things that you could ever imagine happening to a person happened to Jesus. He took on something that none of us will ever experience, and that's the weight of all of sin for all time, past, present, and future, all of humanity, all at once. Jesus was hurt. He was wounded. He was gossiped about. He was mocked. They put thorns on his head. They gambled for his clothes and, and all. And Jesus, if anyone deserved to be bitter or resentful, it was Jesus. Yet what did Jesus say on the cross? <laughs> Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was looking who wounded him in the eye, I think, when he said it? Yet somebody hurts us and we're like, oh, they, no, they hurt me. Forget it. Yet we've accepted Jesus' forgiveness for our own sins, our own transgressions, then we can't forgive someone else. See, some of you read Jonah, you're like, what's wrong with him? We're Jonah. <laughs> what's wrong with us? How can we hold on to things that God already freed us from? God already forgot for us. How can we become so consumed with bitterness and resentfulness and, and, and hatred towards someone when we deserve all of those things, right? And Jonah's saying, how could you forgive them? How could you give grace to them? And, Jesus, and, and God is saying to Jonah, he's like, hey, you're the same as them. <laughs> and I just showed you grace. We forgive because Jesus uh, forgave, right? We forgive because we've been forgiven. Look at verse 4. This, the dialogue continues on, right? But the Lord replied, right, just after Jonah said, just take my life. I don't even, this is, I can't believe you would, you'd give them grace. And verse 4 says, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And then I, I want to encourage you to read the rest of this chapter. We don't have time today. Um, but like really cool story, a worm and, and a plant and just awesome stuff. But I'm just going to give you the, the, the highlights, the cliffs notes from it. It says, but the Lord replied, is it, is it right for you to be angry? And then in verse 11, it kind of caps off. The, this is the last verse of the chapter, last verse of the story, the whole book of Jonah. It says, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals and their things, their possessions. And that's the end of the story. All right, let's bow our heads. I'm just kidding. That, was, that wasn't for real. You heard the pads and you're like, uh. Like what? That's where the story ends? I got you guys so bad. 
That's good. You, I'm, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a little bit, and you're going to be like... <laughs> like, that's the ending of the story? Should I not have concern? Like, where's Jonah's apology? Where's Jonah saying, God, I'm sorry. I can't believe I would act that way toward... Like, it, it just ends, and it's like, no, Jonah's still kind of a bad guy. <laughs> and I think, like, why would God even give us chapter 4? And I think the answer is actually really clear. It's because Jonah's not our Savior. <laughs> Jonah's not our Savior. Because Jonah's a picture of us. And if you put your hope and your trust in yourself, it'll fade. It'll break. You'll fail yourself every single time. I, I fail myself every single time. And so if we put our hope and trust in Jonah, look what happens. But see, this is actually pointing to one much better than Jonah. <laughs> One that would come, who, who is the true and better Jonah. He's way better than Jonah could ever be. His name is Jesus. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew. He's referring to the story of Jonah. He says in, in verse 41, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. But look what Jesus says. Oh, it gives me shivers saying this. Now, someone greater than Jonah is here. The fulfillment of everything Jonah should be. Jesus is like, I'm here. <laughs> Jonah couldn't cut it. Hey, he did some cool things for me, but guess what? He's not your savior. But guess what? I'm your savior. I can't help but see Jesus all the way through. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, that just as Jonah ran from Israel to Tarshish to escape God's will, Jesus left heaven, came down to earth in the pursuit of God's will. That, that just as the, the boat, right? Jonah's asleep on the boat. How is he sleeping in the middle of the storm? Because he's exhausted from running from God. I remember a story where Jesus was asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. But it wasn't because Jesus was running from God because he was exhausted. It's because Jesus had peace that, that surpassed all understanding. That, that, you know, Jonah was swallowed up by a fish because of his disobedience. Whereas Jesus had to hang on a cross because of our disobedience. Where Jonah was spit out on the third day onto dry land so that he could have a second chance in a new life. But Jesus, man, he walked out of that grave on the third day. He robbed the grave because he wanted to give us a new chance at a new life. I, I can't help but see it every step of the way that Jesus, he's just much better than Jonah. And Jonah's great. I'm so thankful for what he did. I'm so thankful for his example that we could learn from. But Jonah's just like us that in the end we fail. But where we fail, that's where Jesus, man, Jesus never fails. And so today, maybe there's some of you um, that need a second chance. Maybe you've dealt with some, some bitterness or some resentment. Maybe you're coming off of your greatest failure. This could be your finest hour. This could be the, the, the opportunity where, where God comes back and he says, he says, kum yalak, go now. Like now's the time. Right now, have some urgency pursue me with everything that you are.